This episode is brought to you by DungeonNotebook.com, makers of the Tome of Delving, a hardcover notebook for keeping track of your 5th edition character. It has a place for your stats, your spells, your familiars, your inventory, all the essential things that each class needs, plus plenty of room to write down your adventure. The book comes in an awesome dust jacket and even has a ribbon bookmark so you don't lose your place. During the month of November, 2020 that is, there's actually a discount code going on. If you go to DungeonNotebook.com and put in the code DC5, you'll get $5 off your purchase for the Tome of Delving. Go to DungeonNotebook.com and upgrade your character sheet today. What's up and welcome to Difficulty Class, a show where we gather around this podcast table in your ears and talk about some dungeons and dragons. Each week, we or a listener like you writing into difficultyclass at gmail.com come up with a topic, question, encounter, or anything else somehow related to RPGs and have fun talking about them. I'm one of your hosts, Ali Deichman, and with me this week is... Trevor Bettis. That's right. So let's dive into our topics for this week, starting with zero HP. You know, that dreaded moment. <laughs> Before we get fully into that, I just want to say, I'm so happy not to have to read that intro this week. <laughs> <laughs> I know I know the new format was all about diving in, but I just had to say, it's been, it was such a relief not to have to worry about flubbing that intro. <laughs> uh, well, there you go. Because it, it happened a lot while you were gone. Oh, no. <laughs> like a lot. <laughs> One of them I just left in because I said, screw it. <laughs> oh, yes, I remember. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Allie's back. This is Yay. it. We're we're here. We're good. We're, we're 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 back on track. <laughs> um. So yeah, let let's let's talk about some zero HP moments and what to do yes. with them. <laughs> um. I pretty much brought in this uh, this topic because it's something that we've been talking about at my table now for a little bit. Um. Especially since we're level sixteen, going on to level seventeen. They're literally about to level up. By the way, level um, sixteen, going on seventeen. 17. <laughs> Um, and we've been in this situation where there's enough, like, at least minor healers in the party that going down is never really a threat at mm-hmm. this point, especially in a middle of a fight, because it's like, eh, it doesn't really matter too much because we'll just use a heal and then you're back up to good and then you're good. Um, mm-hmm. And even our friend Ike uh, kind of mentioned that too, at least in Pathfinder 1, especially, oh, yeah. where it's like, it makes zero sense to use an action to heal up when you could take down the thing faster. <laughs> and so he would save like healing for like after a fight or when we're not in combat. And it makes sense technically, mechanically wise. Sure. Um, and so that's why I wanted to talk about it today because like, wh- what are people's usual reactions to it? Like, what do you usually do? Do you have anything that you address it separately, differently than the book says raw, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I like, for me, dropping to zero hit points recently just means Thomas is going to use healing word. <laughs> um, and so I'm like, ha ha, knocked you down. <laughs> what are you going to do? Oh, okay, you're back up. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, like the most of the time it's Uthal that gets dropped in zero hit points because he's usually the one that has somehow gotten into a situation where he is the most aggro person up front. <laughs> Because not if only is he dealing war, sixty he damage a turn, red. <laughs> yeah. Not only is he dealing sixty damage a turn, he he's just fucking yelling in their face <laughs> and be like, "Hit me!" Um, 
So yeah, what was still one of my favorite ones was when they fought when they fought Horse Cook before Horse Cook became their friend, and uh-huh. like he just ran him, he's like, "Ha, you dumb fucking demon!" And then like literally the next turn, just got thrown twenty feet unconscious. <laughs> um, yeah. So he pulls aggro quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I I don't I don't just do aggro by who does the most damage. I also do aggro by who, who's pissing this person off. <laughs> oh yeah. One of my favorite things is uh, speaking of aggro is. When Twyla, she's she's the least health of everyone. She has like I think around like eighty something health at level sixteen, and so it's like mm-hmm. if she gets hit even twice around this level, it, she can go down. Uh, and so she has a knack for counterspelling very powerful spellcasters, <laughs> and they're like, "You, I see you," and they just Misty steps straight to her face and start just wrecking. <laughs> because they're like i'm sick and tired of my ninth level spell slots getting counterspelled (laughs) you stopped me doing the cool thing (laughs) you yeah Uh, Mm um but yeah like zero zero hit points uh like even with like i'm i like because i have i mean shit we have a cleric and Mm -hmm. we have three bards (laughs) yeah like it's kind of i don't remember the last time feel a problem yeah, I don't remember the last time someone actually rolled a death saving throw. Mm-hmm. I know they hit zero a lot, but I yeah. cannot remember the last time someone <laughs> rolled a death saving throw. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's been kind of the case with us because we have a bard, we have a artificer cleric, we've got a paladin. And so it's like we've got three of the four cl- players are a healer of some sort. Mm-hmm. And... Not to mention, Saphir has the Dagger of Healing, which... (laughs) (laughs) I fucking love that thing. Which is essentially just a defibrillator, because it does deal damage first, and then it heals afterwards. (laughs) So he can use that in certain moments and timing. Like, as long as you don't have two death saves that are failed, he can use it on you. (laughs) Because then, yeah, that's that's the danger. (laughs) He could... (laughs) <laughs> but um yeah so it's like we've we've run into that problem where the concept of like possibly going down and dying isn't really a threat anymore and so they're starting to feel a little invincible and so uh i wanted to bring up something that my group has kind of like been thinking about starting and uh i think as soon as we level up i'm gonna like fully instate it is every time you drop below or drop to zero hit points you're going to take a level of exhaustion. Oh, you, I meant to like look up exactly what how exhaustion works, and then I forgot to do it, and now I'm <laughs> mad at myself. Um, it's okay. I've got wh- my DM screen here that can help us out with that. <laughs> but when, you, you talked to me about this uh, when we, we were talking about ideas for this episode, and mm-hmm. I actually really do like that. Um, Pathfinder 2nd Edition sort of has something like this. Yeah. Which is the the wounded. Um mm-hmm. but that is that's if you have a wound, that's how many strikes against you you start your next death saves with. And yeah. what's different between Pathfinder second edition and fifth edition is once you end an encounter in fifth edition, your uh your your marks are gone. Yeah, like like let's say you went down to zero hit points, you failed two saves. You get brought back up. You get hit down to zero again. You still have those two marks against you. Mm-hmm. But um, after the encounter is over, that's done. 
in yeah. Pathfinder 2nd Edition, you keep those wounds until those wounds are healed. So through the rest of the day, uh, until you long rest, y- if you drop down to zero again, you still have you still start with as many strikes as you have wounds, which is a cool... It, 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 it's, I, okay, cool's the wrong word. <laughs> it, it, it is a penalty for going to zero again. But for me, I think it's too much of a penalty, whereas exhaustion is a penalty that uh, kind of goes across the board for the encounter mm-hmm. and uh it actually does something the whole time not just when i get back down to to zero hit points again yeah it also that i way. think reflects well on it depending on how you view hit points in general it reflects well on what going to zero actually means because mm-hmm. uh i had this conversation with spencer recently where it's like well what does being hit mean to you because usually if someone's like for instance hit with a sword once usually they're going down (laughs) you know if you think about it and so like in a fight ah shit my leg (laughs) (laughs) like if you describe someone being stabbed in the shoulder it's like well fuck are they going to be able to stand up for much longer after that well it's like yeah because it was only four hit points but still um, so what does hit points actually like reflect? Um, Spencer has the idea that it reflects your countenance, like your ability to stand up in a fight, essentially. Yeah. Not necessarily how much blood or how many hits you've taken. So like if you're wearing heavy plate armor and you have a shield and something got past all that AC, that just means you physically took that brunt of the damage. You didn't mm-hmm. actually get stabbed because you have armor yeah. up the wazoo, but you physically took it and you're getting tired. Like your 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 HP means your constitution, which makes sense because constitution is directly tied to your HP, right? Yeah. And so with that idea in mind and him explaining it like that instead of saying, oh, yeah, how does this guy look in battle? Instead of saying, oh, he's bloodied. He's got cuts up everywhere. He's like really hurt. You could be like, mm-hmm. well, he's really struggling to even like when he gets knocked down he slowly gets back up he's using his sword to push himself up as a crutch it's like he's feeling the tired like just the effect of being in a fight for this long so the exhaustion concept really comes in because if you're brought down to zero that means you are tapped you are out (laughs) and the only way to bring you back up is through magical healing or through yeah well magical is still a healing potion essentially Unless mm. you also have a medical kit. But I like to imagine if you use a medicine kit in combat, that's like getting, uh, <laughs> what's it called? The um, uh, When you have a rush of energy because something frightening is happening. Oh, adrenaline so, rush. Yeah. It's like you're getting an adrenaline pen just straight to your thigh. <laughs> <laughs> if you're using like a medicine kit in the middle of combat. <laughs> and it. so that's how I imagined it, especially since Spencer's became an artificer. Um, yeah. So so I pulled up uh, exhaustion on here. Yeah. Um, it says uh, some special abilities and environmental hazards, such as starvation and the long-term effects of freezing or scorching temperatures, can lead to a special condition called exhaustion. Mm-hmm. Exhaustion is a measure in is oh exhaustion is measured in six levels. An effect can give a creature one or more levels of exhaustion as specified in the effects description. So level one is disadvantage on ability checks. Level yes. two, speed is halved. Three, disadvantage on attack rolls and saving throws. Four, hit points maximum halved. Mm-hmm. And level five, speed reduced to zero. And then sixth, death. Yeah. Um. So 
I got to be honest. Like the the more the more you're talking about, the more I'm looking at this. I I actually want to do this. I might implement this starting next session because right now it, it, zero hit points just basically means oh god, is Tom or Nick or someone nearby? <laughs> One other reason why I like this so much is it doesn't mean that you can't get rid of it. In yes. the middle of a fight either, too. Because there are mm-hmm. there is a one really great way to get rid of exhaustion in the middle of a fight that only takes an action. Um, it's called Greater Restoration. Mm-hmm. Greater Restoration actually reduces an exhaustion level by one. And so, like, that would also bring up more, one, movement, because it's a touch spell, right, into combat. Two... Yeah. It'd be a great option for a cleric to bring it up, especially if you have someone prone to being aggro, like Uthal, for example, of taking this spell that normally isn't really done, except for out-of-combat situations that are very few and far mm-hmm. between. And two, I think it's it adds in that realism and that answer to, like, well, what does going to zero HP actually mean? Mm-hmm. Because greater restoration can be, like, you're you're doing more than just bringing them up. You're actually invigorating them back to where they were before they got in that fight. Yeah. And yeah. I really I I'm really liking that. I'll I'll be honest, this wasn't my initial idea. It was something that we kind of scoured the internet looking for like concepts of what how to fix this problem because mm-hmm. half my group goes down during a fight and it's like, okay, well that was cool. It didn't so feel like I- there was a consequence. I think the question that I have, and and I I mean uh, this is I'm still deciding myself. Mm-hmm. Would you make this exhaustion last just the encounter, or for until it is dealt with? Oh, until it's dealt with. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. Yeah, because like I said, there's multiple ways of dealing with it. You could literally retreat and long rest it out, get that level exhaustion back, and plus it would give more incentive to do long rests too. Yeah. As opposed yeah, to just no, keep going wow, and going and going. That's really true. That's really true. Because you can't get rid of a exhaustion on a short rest. Like I, I, I do think that this. Because I'm trying to think about like you know we're thinking about this right now at 16th and you know ninth and 12th level. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm thinking about this now as like level one to three, and. Because you do go to zero a lot in yeah. those levels. Um. And like I kind even like even thinking about it, I'm like yeah it definitely would be harder but I kind of like that it would be harder mm-hmm. like I kind of like that it would be like okay guys yeah we're we're alive right now we're all at full hit points but I have a I have a level of exhaustion and you want me to stealth right now which <laughs> means I'm gonna have disadvantage on every stealth check exactly like if your rogue goes down and you have to scout somewhere ahead it's like mm, is yeah. that really the best plan of action. <laughs> Yeah. Um and and the the like the thing that I like about this compared to the the Pathfinder 2nd edition one is the Pathfinder 2nd edition one just means like, "Hey, uh good good job. You got back up. You're at full health now." Oh no, you're at zero again. You're just as fucking dead as you were <laughs> 10 minutes ago. And I'm like, "Oh, okay. Uh so I like this because you still have to do the the three saving throws." But well, the, the other thing though is, uh, if you get to level three, you have disadvantage on those saving throws. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is though is that there is still the chance of just death. Yeah. Like if you go down six times in a day, you're dead. Yeah, that's that's the real kicker too, because like 
death saves are really up to pure chance and luck, but at some yeah. point you're pushing your luck. Yes. And I like that idea because <laughs> it brings a real uh, threat of consequence into this idea that because it's high fantasy, isn't really much of a consequence anymore mm-hmm. because there's so many ways to be healed in a game. And that exhaustion level six death <laughs> effect is is a great sure way of saying, yeah, you physically can't move on. And <laughs> it's time for a break. Everyone break out of Snickers. Uh, <laughs> have a nice little sip of water. Yeah. Maybe some uh, apple juice. <laughs> there's only been two times where people, well, sorry, three times where people have been to level exhaustion five in my game. Uh, two of them weren't my players. One of them was. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. Like, uh, and it's, it's a great moment because you can actually just really tell that the exhaustion is 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 a real threat um mm-hmm. it's sometimes it exhaustion feels like more of a threat than than any other kind of effect in the game that i find um because all of a sudden it's like you have disadvantage on ability checks and that's just flat like yeah. <laughs> you have to really work well, hard to not get that also think about think about this uh this house rule in Chult or Icewind Dale Ooh. where exhaustion is already a thing that can happen out in the environment. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you might uh you guys might have exhaustion level 2 and then some terror folk show up and that may drastically change the how fight. you feel about that encounter. It might adjust players to uh it might motivate players to avoid encounters entirely and figure out yeah. different ways about encounters. Like instead of yeah. if if you're rolling up to a fight and you're both and everyone's level like one exhaustion minimum you like, kind of like, have to I consider, idea- like, maybe there's a different way we can do this. <laughs> I love the idea of, like, this party in Chult, terror folk drop down out of the sky, and one of them's just like, listen, <laughs> my clothes are 90% sweat right now. I will die if I breathe the wrong way. Just, please. Just simmer down pass. for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I love the idea of, like, just, like, the fighter going, off. Oh, fuck just it's so tiredly <laughs> the cleric going just face palming saying can we get three minutes <laughs> please <laughs> please god do, do either of you have a uh, restoration <laughs> if you give us restoration we'll, we're in let's fight let's go but until then i mean i i could drop down right now and sleep <laughs> And like I think that's kind of one of the the fun things about D and D is that it is high fantasy, but oftentimes, especially as a DM, you're fighting to put that little bit of realism in there, so that way it feels a little more connected to yeah. like us, like real life. And I think well, the the other thing is is like I I I like my you know I always joke that the Golden Pals are like my Saturday morning cartoon, yeah. but at the same time, I don't want them to feel like you know any superhero in a comic mm-hmm. where they can just throw caution to the wind and go do whatever the hell they want. Cause they know they're going to win and they know they're going to succeed. I want them to have, you know, I want them to feel powerful, but at the same time question if things are still more powerful than them. Oh yeah. Um, there is a moment. Thanks to a little bit of miscommunication on my part uh, for the <laughs> first like eight levels of our campaign, my players weren't actually like really 
having a ton of fun and I was like trying to figure it out why it was around a level nine when I was just like getting frustrated because I'm like why aren't they having what is going on what am I doing wrong and it turns out when I told them early on I'm like guys I'm not out to kill you I'm not going to straight out go out and try to kill you every single encounter that's not my game style they took Mm -hmm. that as I'm not going to kill them I'm going to go out of my way to not kill them if the opportunity comes up Mm-hmm. And so they thought that their characters would never die. <laughs> oh, Jesus. And so they were like, well, what's kind of the point? We don't really have, there's not really a downside if we try to do this. And I'm like, well, what do you mean, guys? And then we had a moment where we sat down and talked it out. But yeah, it's like that, that invincibility, um, especially with certain tables, can really bring a game down because mm-hmm. it takes away their agency of, of consequences. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. when it comes to tabletop role-playing games, it's like consequences make up half the game. Whether mm. it be like you failed a check or you missed an attack or you're getting hit. It's like consequences make up more than half. Like I would argue like three-fourths of a game, <laughs> 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 to be honest. And going to zero HP is a huge consequence. But in D&D, as it is written, not that big of a consequence. Uh, I, I like that. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons is a uh, uh, one quarter dungeons, <laughs> one quarter dragons, one quarter consequences. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, I don't know what the fourth one is. Listeners, you can make that up. because yeah. I'm bad at math. Um, I think one of the the, the things I want to cap off uh, this conversation with was actually death saving throws. Um, how how often are your players rolling death saving throws and have you ever had someone actually fail all three yes i have had a player death in my campaign um and it comes up but doesn't actually happen very much like you're saying uh you have like three bards <laughs> mm-hmm. and like a cleric so it's, it doesn't really actually get to death saving throws too often mostly because if a person goes down they can't afford to go to death saving throws because they will lose because a bad guy mm. is going to go for them. Um, yeah. Usually because if they are going to go down, it's against a creature that is intelligent enough to focus in on them. Mm. And so, uh, and yeah, I'm just going to tout up my own players for a moment. They're smart players. They know <laughs> like we can't let this person go into death saves because they'll be dead, dead because it happened once and they learned their lesson from that. Because mm-hmm. it was it was way back when, uh, when they first encountered Saphir's father, and Lucian saw the wizard, like totally fireball his daughter out of the sky, and he's like, "Well, one, I want revenge. Two, this will be a small problem I can handle. And three, he's a squishy wizard." And so this bad guy thunderstepped over to him, took him out in two hits because he's a blade singer. And then his next turn, he thunderstepped away when he was down. Oh, yeah. I remember you telling me about this. So he didn't even give him the the, <laughs> the grace to be killed by a sword. He's just like, I'm going to go away from you and murder you without looking at you. And he, it's he like did to, to him what uh, I have Zagreus and Hades do to just every minion. Everything. You, you, <laughs> you melt him by dashing. Yes. yes. <laughs> so it's like. When they realize, like, oh, a hit when he's down is two death saves that's failed. We can't afford to even go into one. And so usually before it even gets to, like, the second 
the next two turns later, <laughs> that person is back up. So it doesn't happen very often for, for me in my campaign. Yeah, like I, I think I think Kyle has gotten down to two fails at some point during this campaign. And I think that's the closest we've gotten uh during the the whole thing. So yeah, I like I even before that, like I, I've never had anyone fail three saves. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, <laughs> the time that I unfortunately killed my wife's character, it <laughs> was an instant kill <laughs> because of all the damage. Yeah. Um. So yeah, like that. Like I love, I love death saving throws. I genuinely think that was like one of the best concepts that fourth edition brought to D and D, and I was so happy that it continued on to, into fifth edition. But it's one that like. I don't feel gets used as much in fifth edition as fourth edition, oddly enough. Mm-hmm. Like I remember in fourth edition, people were making death saves left, left and, and right. right. <laughs> yeah. Constantly. Like it was a big deal. And, uh, and, and now like it's so few and far between, like they are just up like that. And I know our, you know, Hey, our groups may be the exception not the rule there may be somebody listening to this right now that's just like my players roll death saving throws every freaking game and i'm like oh okay i get it that's fine mm-hmm. um and that's why like this what we're talking about right now is kind of like our house rule like that mm-hmm. that's like we it, i know this topic's going to be called players going to to zero but it really should be we make a house rule <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, and, and so Oh, God. I, I was going to say, I don't really see a terrible downside to it because like I mentioned earlier, it's introducing this element that's just going to bring more fun to the table, at least for my players, because I know that specifically they asked, we want consequences. They, they'd they rather yeah. have some than none at all. It, it's it's fun through decision making. Yeah. Uh, Where like now, like I could like I could see myself being in the position of a bard with healing word. And it's like, okay, the fighter just went down to zero hit points and they're right next to the bad guy. Do I bring him back? <laughs> just he to gets get him one back level of again. exhaustion and then he gets murderfied again and gets a second level of mm-hmm. exhaustion. That's a great oh, point. Oh, actually, here's a good question. Here, here, Here's another like little in the weeds question about this house rule. When does the exhaustion hit? Is it when they go down or is it when they come back up? It's got to be when they come back up. Okay. Because yeah, I think that's I, a little unfair when it comes to their saving three. throws. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah, okay. So yeah, it would be when they stand up. So mm-hmm. but still like that that would make me question how am I going to do this cuz I know Thomas uh many times has done it where it's like, okay, uh I'm going to healing word him and then I'm going to eldritch blast this guy. And again, listeners, we 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 do spells when fucking ever. I don't care about that rule at all. It's stupid. <laughs> um so like he he'll do it where he brings somebody back up and then doesn't attack. Okay, we'll just say it like that. He doesn't attack. So now it might be just like, well, crap. I need to bring him back up, but he needs a buffer. So I need to also do cure light wounds on him. Mm-hmm. He needs so more than just it, a d8 of health. Yeah. So it, it it then really changes up what things i i would do on my turn than just revive die revive die (laughs) that's a great point too because it brings more uh urgency to spells that do huge healing because oftentimes right now players would be like oh i only need to do a first level cure wounds because that's enough to bring them up and then they could heal up out of battle but no it's like 
doing more than just like 10 hit points can really make or break a battle. Like, and, and I feel like it, it almost brings more urgency to the party as a whole for one person rather than just the person who's gone down. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I, I feel like if you were getting these exhaustion levels and whatnot, I feel like, you know, I, I think, you know, our parties, at least I can't speak for everybody's parties would start being like, OK, we need to protect this person while they're getting back on their feet. So, like, maybe more, you know fighter protection maybe more healing and stuff like that rather than just like okay uh we brought you back up you're at full hit points you're good right all right cool mm -hmm. um and, and then when they go down again then the panic sets in it, it's it's constant here but at a lower level i like it me too it's done it's in the books i'm gonna <laughs> discord my group when we are done here and tell them new rule yeah and uh we're playing tonight so i'll uh keep y'all updated on how this new rule will be felt throughout oh, yeah. the game so oh. There we go. Um, well, let's pause here and do some champions loot. Yeah. This is the part of the show where we give out a code for idle champions, and you can put it in on any of the numerous platforms that they are available on because it is numerous. Uh, put this in, get a gold chest. So this week's code is M-U-T-E-A-R-C-H-T-Y-E-R. Put that into Idle Champions, get a gold chest, and then take a screenshot and send us a picture on at Difficulty Class on Twitter and let us know what you got. Get them purples, get them shinies, and kick an evil's butt. <laughs> Real quick here, I do want to say, um, I've now been given uh, free, well, semi-free reign to invent the codes <gasps> for the podcast version of Champions of Lore, Oops. and I'm having a lot of fun with oh that. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, they're, they're just like, oh yeah, you know, just do something that's relevant to the episode like do you hear us on that on that show we we talked about displacer beast cheese like do you want displacer beast cheese to be a code because it yes. will be Displacer uh, <laughs> beast. yes yeah so uh so yeah that, that that's 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 been a fun one to do and, and recording them here by myself <laughs> It's been interesting. I'm just like, I'm just here spelling weird words by myself. Ooh. <laughs> um, so uh, before we hop into topic number two, we're going to do our DC spotlight. And uh, this week's one is the same as our sponsor. We're, we're actually going to uh, we're going to spotlight the, the Tome of Delving and DungeonNotebook.com because we've again, I know you guys, you know, we, we got the sponsorship and whatnot. So you're like, oh, you're biased. I genuinely, we genuinely do really like this book. Yeah. And it has a lot of great stuff in it and has been great for running characters. Uh, I'm currently using the the Pathfinder version uh, right now for the Harrowed games that we play. Mm -hmm. And I, 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 we wouldn't be talking about it so much if we didn't like the book. And, and, you know, if we didn't like, we love Brian, like Brian, uh, that makes it Brian Schmidt. He's a fantastic guy, fully believe in what he's doing and, uh, and the product that he's making. So that's why we're doing it. It's not just because like, he's not paying for this part. He doesn't even know we're doing this. <laughs> <laughs> he has no idea that we're doing this part. We didn't even talk to him about it. We're just like, Hey, we're going to do it, uh, as a spotlight. So like I said, at the beginning of the episode this month, uh, through November, 2020, 
Uh, you can use the code DC5 and get $5 off your purchase for the Tome of Delving. I really recommend it. It is a hardcover, high-quality book, yeah. and you will not be disappointed. Not to mention, it's super versatile. Like, it, say, if you are thinking about playing a wizard, but then you get to the table and there's already two wizards in the party, you're like, okay, well, then I want to be a fighter. No need to worry, because the book can handle whatever class you want to be. Yes. <laughs> it is yeah. super nice, because it covers all the bases. That, that that i mean that's yeah I, I i think that fact right there that you can use it for whatever like you could just buy it now like and just have it around for your next character mm-hmm. if you're always and, a dm and, and all of a sudden your friend says they want to you're like hey look at that i have just a thing for this <laughs> i got a book <laughs> so yeah go to dungeonnotebook.com use the code dc5 and get five dollars off the tome of delving and uh upgrade your character sheet yeah so, topic number two yes. is uh, is making spells. Yes. <laughs> I totally... uh, we're having a very kind of homebrewy uh, episode. I'm liking yeah. this. Yeah, I totally didn't bring this up with a, uh, you know, a side motivation, a personal one or anything like that. Totally didn't. Uh, oh, I really hope I really hope this wasn't one of your side motivations of I'm going to secretly ask Trevor for help on something because guess what? That's what I was going to do to you because oh. I've never made spells before. <laughs> Ooh, okay. <laughs> well, yeah. So it's going to be a little bit of both then. <laughs> then I guess we're going to learn together. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like that's 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 going to be the plan here, I guess. <laughs> um it's it's a good opportunity for us to kind of look through exactly how the book suggests we go about it and you and I both kind of homebrew enough that we kind of can f- have a feel of oh, what yeah. would be right, I feel. Like like I've never done it, but I'm not going to say that I'm not confident in, in myself to attempt it and you know put it and implement it into a game because that's what you have to do. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just have to do it yeah. and see how it goes. Um I will mention like I've created uh quote unquote rituals in my games before that uh mm. are great to create as a dm because you don't have to explain them you just suddenly it's like hey yeah this happens and you don't know why Ooh. yeah <laughs> and like that's really great fun when you're working with like bad guys and high level spell casters because just because your players don't know what it is doesn't mean it's not possible so that's always fun to do but um that's how the golden pals got a ghost bartender exactly <laughs> But, you know, it's like, that's why I wanted to bring this up, because there is actually a method to uh, creating a spell, and it's brought to you by everyone's very own handy-dandy Dungeon Master's uh, guide. (laughs) (laughs) So if you got a DMG, you could actually follow along. Pretty much, I'm going to be going through it um, with Trevor here and with you, uh, if you want to be on 283. They even have a whole section called Creating a Spell. Um, God. And this is talking about not just like, oh, a ritual that's convoluted that you have to get materials for. This is talking about like, no, you can make a third level spell that could be on a spell list. And um, people have done this before, like big names like Matt Mercer. He's created spells for his characters. Uh, uh, If you are aware of Critical Role, like Widowgast has made a couple spells now at this point. Um, And I, I remember my... Uh, Taylor told me and she's like oh yeah it's the the other players are funny they're like why don't you name us your spell after us and he's like because it's my spell (laughs) (laughs) Uh, similar to like uh, Mordekainen's Magnificent Mansion right so it's like Mm -hmm. if these grand wizards can make spells so can you and uh, here's here's, uh, some things that the DMG gives you advice about when it comes to creating a spell Um, some things to consider when you are trying to make up a spell 
If the spell is so good that a caster would want to use it all the time, it might be too powerful for its level. Eldritch Blast. <laughs> Hang on. Eldritch Blast is just the wizard equivalent of using a, of a sword. <laughs> I know. I'm just messing with you. Um, a long duration or large area can make up for a lesser effect, depending on the spell. So, like, doing a fireball, it's like you're spreading that damage out. So instead mm-hmm. of like a single like fire, huge thing of fireball bolt, that would be like a single hit of like, I don't know, 16 D six instead of eight D six splashed around. Yeah. That's what it's talking about. Yeah. Um, avoid spells that have very limited use, such as ones that only work against good dragons. For example, <laughs> uh, though such a spell could exist in the world, few characters will bother to learn or prepare it unless they know in advance that doing so will be worthwhile. Yep. This is uh, similar to what we were talking about earlier in the actual uh, podcast today. Greater Restoration. Um, It's kind of a specific spell that talks about like ending a effect on a creature or reducing an exhaustion by one. And those are very kind of specific Mm. ones, but those are at least broad enough that they could be considered to have prepared. Next thing they say is make sure the spell fits with the identity of the class. Wizards and sorcerers don't typically have access to healing spells, for example, and adding a healing spell to the wizard class list would step on the cleric's toes. So definitely. And I mean, like if you're making something that's totally wild and nature effects, like consider maybe only the druid or paladin or ranger Mm -hmm. could have access to that kind of spell. Yeah. Or, you know, maybe even warlock. It depends on their patron. But you could always mm-hmm. have a class list of a different class approach that spell, but try to keep it within their uh, their flavor, so to speak. Yeah. So those are like the things to consider, like the major hit points that they wanted you to, to keep in mind when you're making a spell. Um, when it comes to actually dealing damage, they do have uh, a really nice little table on here that kind of gives you a basic idea of where to go with making a damage uh, type spell. Let's see. It says, uh, like, for example, cantrip 1d10 to a single target, which makes sense because first level Eldritch Blast or uh, Firebolt, 1d10 of damage. Yeah. Um, But then it's like, it also offers if there's multiple targets. So if it's an AoE effect, it also offers for damage for there. So this says first level be cantrip would be 1d6. Makes sense. It works out. Um, going up higher, like if you're doing a single target damage dealing spell, at a sixth level single target would be 10d10. Again, 100%, that sounds fun. Because yeah. that's actually going to make an impact on that amount of health at that point. Because if they got six level spells, that means they're pretty much going up towards around having at least like 90 hit points-ish. Mm-hmm. Um and so dealing possibly a max of 100 damage in one go, very unlikely. Yeah. But it feels good to be able to do that kind of damage in one hit. The the kind of thing that I've always thought about with it is, like, if you're going to add something to on top of something else, that first thing needs to be decreased. Yeah. So that's exactly what this is going for. It's like, cantrip uh, targets one person. It deals 1d10 damage. It uh, This targets more than one person. Okay, then that damage needs to be 
brought down mm-hmm. to balance out that it's going to hit more people. Oh, it's that one word that I keep mispronouncing constantly. It's a reciprocity where if you bring oh, oh. <laughs> if you bring something up, something has to come down to keep the balance the same. You have taught me a new word today. I don't remember I, if I'm saying that right, but uh, that's something. I'll look it up later, yeah. but it doesn't even ring a bell. Not close. Yeah, but it's it's the similar. It's uh same like word root origin of like uh reciprocate. Oh, okay. So it's like if you do something up, you have to do something down. Um, and so yeah. that if you're doing it to multiple targets, bring the damage down or bring the effect down. Um, and that's they also talk about healing spells. Um, and you could do the same table for damage to do healing um and they make a note that saying a cantrip shouldn't offer healing because can you imagine yeah. it's that first thing that to note right if they want to do it all the time it's probably not a high enough level yeah and so if they have a cantrip that heals it's it's, it's they're going to do it constantly that's going to be their only thing and then they're not going to have uh, fun unless <laughs> unless you just make a cantrip that's just so blah yeah. <laughs> but then why even make it like the the i think i think the most blah cantrip for healing i could think of is you heal uh it's a touch spell you heal the creature uh equal to its level Ugh. and it would only be good like no that's not even <laughs> level good one is like, that's not even here, good here's here's one point <laughs> that's for you yeah i really want you to know that <laughs> Because I was going to say it's only good for lo- for lower levels, but then I realized, no, because even if you're a wizard at level one, you have like six hit points, mm-hmm. five maybe. If you're only getting healed one hit point, that's not even much. That's a whole action <laughs> you could have used dealing a D10 of damage to someone else. I know. I know. It's great. It's terrible. Um, so what what's the, what's the spell that you want to work on? So this spell wasn't actually my idea. Um, one of my players brought this up in game as she kind of had a, uh, in the moment realization of, I want to do a thing that I can't actually do. And so naturally she's like, well, magic is usually my answer to everything. So how can I do this magically? Mm-hmm. So she brought this up in character to all the other characters saying like, I know, I know Mordecai is magnificent mansion, but how did he come up with that? Is there like mm-hmm. a way to go about making your own spells and the group kind of looked at each other and was like, uh, and then they all looked at me and was like, Allie, <laughs> what's the, uh, what's the protocol? <laughs> and so that kind of made me really think about it. Like, I don't know. And so that's why I brought this here today. Her spell that she wanted to do her action, at least that she wanted to do was she wanted to send a letter to someone that was on a different plane of existence. And she wanted mm. to make sure that they got that letter. Mm. and so interesting several things kind of went through my mind at that moment because one you can do sending across planes that's a thing yeah but uh, a letter would would give you more rain about yeah. what it is so 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 here here here's my initial thinking on this is that um i think just thinking about it as in terms of sending a letter is too limited. That's like what the book's saying about it's getting too specific. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my my initial reaction there is is to make a spell that basically opens up a small portal, very small portal that you could put something in, and it would open up a portal next to them and deliver it. However. That's bringing in a whole can of worms, though. Yeah. Because then that's like, okay, but can I do that with, like, treasure? Could I open it up 
and you know, drop the gem that I just uh, uh, fucking stole and it gets delivered to the person that wants it or something mm-hmm. like that. So that's my initial thinking and, and never go with the first round. Uh- <laughs> so something that Taylor actually brought up was, well, how are they going to send me a letter back? I was like, oh, because in sending, you can respond in kind pretty much. But that's immediately. And so I was like, okay, well, what if the letter you send is part of the material for them to send it back? Like, it's essentially a spell scroll of returning. (laughs) (laughs) And then we kind of went down this fun rabbit hole of because she has this end game goal of like post game, like post credits of her Twilight becoming a God. Yeah. (laughs) And we're still trying to figure out what domains she wants to take credit for. And she's like, and we were like, Oh my God, you can become the God of communications. Yeah. And, (laughs) and we, we made this whole thing of like, it would cost them a platinum as part of the material components. Cause that would be the postage fee you would be able to send the letter to them. And then part of the letter is the ability to send a letter back and you'd have to do another platinum to do so. But it's, it's like a fun little postal office, but magical. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, because she was like, I I really want to send a letter to my parents too, on top of this, because I want to ask them about the spell plague situation with Roland, but I can't let literally anyone else know that I know, and I can't let it fall into anyone else's hands. Yeah. (laughs) So short of literally delivering it myself, how can I do this? So like part of me does want to, to move it to be a ritual, but that would make it so that not everyone could cast it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Cause you have to have ritual caster and whatnot to do that. Um, but because like I, I'm I'm trying to think of like ways to balance that ridiculous power on it. And so I re- like if if we did the portal thing, it would have to, in my opinion, be a really high level yeah. spell, one that like a rogue or a ranger or something couldn't get to. Mm-hmm. So it would have to be um, above fifth level. Which makes sense because, yes. yeah. What is the the other idea that came to mind? Uh, because you know portals are you know that that brings up a whole lot of problems and whatnot. Is to actually explain it more as a fae spirit takes the message, like a a a spirit messenger essentially. Yeah. Um, but instead of it just taking a message, it could take something mm-hmm. with it. Um, that could, you know, fix a lot of problems with like what could go through and stuff like that. I mean, you could even put rules on it. It's like the face spirit is weak. It can only hold something up to five pounds or something like that. I like that because then you can't have them drag a whole chest or something like that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like if this was Pathfinder edition, it would be like, it can only carry light. One bulk. <laughs> like yeah. not even one bulk, something but like, like something light. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um I I think 
I think doing something like that could solve a lot of the problems that a portal would make. And, you know, you can hand wave where and how a face spirit gets somewhere. I mean, they do it all the freaking time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, just look at the UAs or what's coming in Tasha's culture of everything. Like, the face spirits kind of almost gets used like, you know, a Star Trek making shit up. <laughs> it's like, how did that happen? Face spirits. Face spirit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, keep calm and blame the face spirits. Um... I do like that. Yeah. I kind of almost like the idea of depending on the plane, the spirit can manifest differently. Like if you're trying to send something yeah. wild to like Mechanis, for example, <laughs> it wouldn't be like a face spirit. I, it would be a. I actually think it would. I think it should depend more on where you are. Oh like, yeah. Like if you're in Barovia, like a headless skeletal horseman shows up. And takes it and then rides off and then just middle of water deep, bright, sunny day, <laughs> spirit of a headless skeletal horseman comes riding up. Message for you. How are you even talking to me? You don't have a mouth. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I, I think I uh, that that could be fun with like different places and whatnot. Um because I always do love in books like Descent into Avernus and, and, and Curse of Strahd and stuff where it's just like effects that this plane has on spells. Yes. And uh, what disgusting things happens when you use them. Yes. I love that. Um, so, okay. So we have, what what level are you thinking for this? Are you thinking six? Just I need to right see there at the cusp? what level like planar travel is. Because I think that would be contact other plane, um, where essentially you try to talk to a demigod or someone else from another plane, where you can actually take psychic damage, is fifth level. Yeah. And so, yeah. Whereas plane shift, where it's like the ultimate teleport, is seventh level. So I'm actually thinking sixth level. Yeah, that kind of f feels like a nice in-between where it's just like, I'm talking, I'm going, I'm sending something. Mm -hmm. Cause especially because transport via plants is already a thing, um, where as a druid, you can use trees essentially to teleport throughout the plane. And like, and like really like a sixth level spell slot. And because I, I, I'm seeing the other utilities of this being done where it's like, oh, we've got the MacGuffin. Yeah. Um, I'm going to cast this sixth level spell and get it out of here. Mm -hmm. Casting a sixth level spell, that's a big deal. Um, I, I, you know, I feel like at any level. Uh, so I think that's like almost worth it and, and a kind of a fun um, trade-off uh, or fun way to, to, to be more tactic tactful i can't speak tactful, words yeah. tactful there we yeah, yeah, go yeah. um for it I, I i just went to look to see okay so sixth level i'm looking at a level 20 wizard let's just let's just see at sixth level or sorry at, at uh at 20th level you still only have two spell slots mm -hmm. of six granted you have a total that you could spend on this spell you have six slots if you were level 20 yeah uh, because you have two sixth, two seventh, one eighth, one ninth. So, yes, technically you could do this six times in a day at twentieth level. But at twentieth level, you're almost a god, so why not? <laughs> uh, 
how long do you think it should be take to cast? So, so see, that was actually going to be my ne- my my next question uh, is is the is the other parts of the spell. So, uh, if in that situation I just described, you know, it would be they are in combat, they're in a bad situation, they cast the spell, give them the thing, and they take off. So that would be one action. You know what? I'm actually I I kind of just thought about this. Like, what if you could buff the spell and change the casting time? Ooh! So, like at sixth level, it takes a, like a minute to cast, like regular ritual cast. It's could be used, like yeah. But then, you if you cast this spell at eighth or ninth level, then you can use it as an action. Oh, I really like that. And I'm skipping seventh level because, like, plane shift is an action already. <laughs> you know and so i was like thinking eighth or ninth you only get one of those really yeah yeah because well well so so again with the level seven thing you're just thinking of taking it to the thing but like or like switching planes to go talk to someone but if you're using it for the alternate option of like just get it somewhere safe on the plane that you're already on mm-hmm. like that that level seven thing could mean something. So like, what if it was at level six, it takes, I'm, I'm, I can't decide yet either 10 or five minutes to cast. Yeah. At level seven, it takes one minute to cast at eight or ninth. It is an action. I, I like the level, like the, the leveling it. Tell I, I would almost say, Eighth level action, ninth level bonus action. Holy shit. If you're blowing a ninth level spell on this to get something somewhere, I feel like you should get rewarded by by getting it even faster. I like that. Yeah. Cause I really do like that. That 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 actually changes the spell itself and the the usefulness you could have with it too. Um now the next question I have is the target mm-hmm. does it need to be someone or does it need to be a location and do you need do you have well oh my god again words do you have to have have already been to that place or have met that person to send it to them i would like it to be person as the target because that was kind of half the point of the spell was she doesn't know where on what plane this person is going to be okay and so she just wants this person to have this letter and and that really does fit into to twyla's goal of being the god of communication yeah is it's not just it's not just a postal service of like take it to this place regardless of who's there it's take it to this person this person will receive your message yeah Oh, I really do like that. I mm-hmm. really, really like that. Okay, so the target uh, is a person, but I do you need to have known them already, or can you just think of them? Because, like, think about it this way: I the we, everyone knows. Well, okay, let's use a better one. Everyone knows Dagult Never Ember. Mm-hmm. They know he exists, but not everyone has met Dagult Never Ember. Could I in Waterdeep cast the spell and send something to Dagult Never Ember? Because then that, that gets into the thing of like villains using it. So <laughs> the other part of Twyla's domain that she was wanting to, to take over 
um, is consent. Oh. And so she was. Oh. Yeah. And so she was hoping because consent and communication go hand in hand. And so we were saying like oh. they'd have to. It's like almost like a toll call. Like, do you accept this call? <laughs> I love part that. of the spell. The messenger would ask, "Do you accept this?" And they would be yeah. like, "Yes." On a no spell is the spell fails and it doesn't go through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really like that. Like the target is person who consents. <laughs> And, and and that solves the 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 villain problem I was saying because I'm like, dude, they could just fucking send a delayed fireball or <laughs> oh some shit. Oh my god, how hilarious would that be? Or or like a necklace of fireballs is just like message for you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. I really do. I feel I feel like uh, I feel like Taylor should get to name it though. Oh yeah, hundred percent. We're not we're not coming up with the name. Yeah, she's she's going to be able to name that. It's going to be Twyla's something something something. It's going to be great. <laughs> Something, 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 something. <laughs> I'll come back um, to you guys once we figure it out. <laughs> yeah, I feel, I feel, I feel good about that one. Me too. Thank you for hashing yeah. that out because I would not have thought about the the leveling. Oh, ooh, <laughs> we got one more. We got one more. Yeah. What spell list does it appear on? I think bard and wizard would be great. Bard and wizard. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm even tempted to say warlock, but I know they would never choose that spell. <laughs> I I um I think uh le- leave we we could leave it open to this where it's bard and wizard, but uh could appear on a cleric spell list that was dedicated to what she eventually becomes. Oh yeah, oh hundred percent. Because I could see a cleric of like uh the Arcana domain definitely getting this on theirs or cleric of communication yes <laughs> i love that idea yes. that sounds cool <laughs> what what does that mean they're fucking they're just a podcaster they're just a magic <laughs> podcaster that talks to gods <laughs> hi uh welcome to forgotten realms npr this week uh we're gonna have on uh the uh the god uh lathander um it's the only one that could pop into my head at that moment <laughs> <laughs> That's two NPR Forgotten Realms jokes in one podcast week. Um, double dipping on shows, <laughs> but yeah, I I I feel good about that one. So like, I I would I would be down to try and uh, try and do another one of these segments. Uh, this could be this could be a reoccurring one where we just make a new spell from scratch. Yeah, we come to the table with an idea and we just talk it out and figure it out because that was fun yeah. i like that i mean like part of creating a spell you usually want to make a spell with purpose you don't want to just kind of yeah. randomly make spells because you're just making work but, for yourself <laughs> yeah but but again like the, the the not narrowing it down so expanding it from just being that letter mm-hmm. to being something under five pounds yeah like that that opens up the spell to more than just this one intended purpose yeah no it's i think that's I could, I could see that spell getting used. I could see that spell getting used a lot, actually. Hundred percent. I'm gonna make a whole. I'm gonna make a whole thing for it. It's gonna be great. <laughs> you make it on D D Beyond. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. We could put it on there and share it with the with the listeners. Yeah. 
That is going to do it for this week's episode. If you enjoyed it, the best way to support the show is by leaving a review on your podcast service of choice. Seriously, five stars and a written review really do help so that we can get out there, grow our listener base, grow this community, and have some fun conversations. Uh, if you'd like to stay up to date on the show, you can follow us on Twitter at Difficulty Class or on Instagram at Difficulty Podcast. And if you have your own questions, topics, suggestions, anything else re somehow related to RPGs that you want to hear us talk about or have a conversation with us about, you can send those into difficultyclass at gmail.com. So until next week, have a good game. Mm -hmm.